0: Uh, Just continuing, I shouldn't say just continuing, we will be continuing our study in the book of Galatians, Galatians chapter 3, which in my opinion, right where we're at today, where we left off last week, is all about the resurrection. And I will explain, but uh, we are going to be in uh, Galatians chapter 3. Verse 26, Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. Anyone need a Bible, raise your hand. Spanish or English, you can raise your hand. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 says, For you are all sons of God through faith, in Christ Jesus. Victoria, can we have that first that first verse? It says in Galatians 3:26 it says you are all sons and daughters of God through faith in Christ Jesus. So where you read there in the New King James version it says for you are all sons the Greek in which this the Bible was written it's similar to Spanish. So um, I have five kids. I have a boy and four girls. And if I say to them, hijos, sons, one of my daughters is not going to say, uh, ¿Por qué me llamas hijo? Why are you calling me a son? Uh, because in, in, in Spanish, as in other languages, Um, If if you have brothers and sisters uh, together, you say hermanos. Well, the Greek is the same way. So you're reading, you're reading, it says in verse 26, for you are all sons. What it really should say is for you are all sons and daughters. This is the NSB, it has a uh, italics. You're all sons and daughters. You get that Calvary Chapel. You are all sons and daughters of God through faith... In Christ Jesus let's continue verse 27 for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ what might that mean again for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ there is neither Jew nor Greek There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed, and heirs according to the promise. Chapter four, verse one. Remember, there's no break when this was originally written. This is just a continuous letter. No numbers. Now I say, that the heir, an heir is someone who in, inherits something, in this case a son or a daughter, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all, but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the father. Even so, we, when we were children, we were in bondage under the elements of the world, but when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons or as sons and daughters. Then one of the most glorious verses In the Bible, yes, we're in it today, Galatians 4, 6, and because you are sons, because you are daughters, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son but a daughter, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Father, we pray, Lord, that you would just break open, break open our hearts and pour in, Lord, I pray, Father, I would not be a hindrance to what you want to do. And every man, every woman, every child is in this room, in their hearts, Lord. The psalm says, you say in the psalms to us, open your mouths wide, I will pour in, Lord. Would you make our mouths get open, Lord, that you would pour in? We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, you may be seated. You know, I... I pray for you a lot. One of the things I pray right now, I was praying last night, is that every one of you would read this Bible, your Bible, with a pen. With a pen. Or a pencil. Whatever people are writing with these days. Throw your smartphone aside, get a Bible, and get a pen, read it like that. Few things will make a, a pastor happier, more important than few things will make the Lord happier than you reading your Bible with a pen. We have a discipleship course here at Calvary Chapel, it's the two, seven, small group discipleship course, 33 weeks, it's in the, uh, it's in the back, and the sign-up for the, uh, the, the discipleship group, We're starting, we start them up periodically all year um, round. All year round. And, and the first discipleship class of the 33 weeks, what do you learn? Someone shout it out. Some, one of you veterans, how many, how many of you have done, uh, probably half of you have done it. What do you do on the first day? How to mark up your Bible. That's the first day. And then we encourage it for the rest of the 33 weeks and then forever. And so you may ask, what do you mark up? That's a great question. There are several answers. One of them is this. You circle words you see a lot. You circle words that keep coming up. You circle um, words that the Holy Spirit, who's the author of the Bible has chosen to just put there a lot in this section of the Bible that you're in. Now, the, section, the verses that we just read, 11 of them, Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 through Galatians 4, 7, there's a word used 12 times in 11 verses. Anyone want to shout out what it is? Son, or you could say son and daughter, or some form of it. Twelve times in eleven verses. You have my permission if you have a pen to circle every one of them. They're highlighted in my Bible, and when the the point being, and 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 by the way, my wife started this way before I started this. You got to circle the important words, Uh, you know. And the reason is, is you circle them because. What is God trying to say here? What is he trying to say to me here? This morning, or if you happen to be reading the Bible in the afternoon, or this afternoon, or the evening, this evening, he, he's wanting me, uh, he, he's trying to tell me something. He, he, he's trying to tell me. It, it this more or less uh, begins, it more or less ends uh, this morning. You're all sons and daughters of God. And that's because this morning, he wants you to know who have put your faith in Jesus Christ, God wants you to know that you're a son. You're a daughter. He wants you to know that. He puts it 12 times in 11 verses. He wants you to get that. I I, I labor often with people trying to get them to, to get this very simple point. You are a son. You are a daughter of God. God is love. God loves you and he created you to love him back. God created you for that very purpose, to love him. But to love him not just with an ordinary love. I love basketball. No, not that kind of love. We're talking about the love that a son, that a daughter has for their father, a healthy father. I know some of you uh, did not have Healthy father-daughter, healthy um, um, father-son relationships. That's not what this is talking about. That's not why he tells you this 12 times in 11 verses. He wants you to love him as a loving, faithful father. As a father who's always there for you. Read your Bible with your pen. So why do we make such a big deal about Easter? Easter for the last 2,000 years. So much um, so, they changed the Sabbath, Christians did, from Saturday to Sunday, which is the Lord's Day. It's our Sabbath. It doesn't have to be, uh, the book of uh, Colossians says you don't have to choose even Sunday. You can, we have the freedom to choose, the, the grace, to choose any day, but why do we choose Sunday? Why in the world, by the way, Easter, why in the, would anyone in their right mind think so much about a holiday that they get up at five in the morning and they go out in 30 degree weather to the beach to to worship God like we did this morning. Why do Christians do that? The reason is, among other things, is that because Jesus rose from the dead, you're a son. Because Jesus rose from the dead, you're a daughter. Or... Put the other way, if Jesus Christ did not rise from the dead, Christian, you would not be a son or daughter. Easter's a big deal. I told a few people this week, just people on the streets, it's the most important day in the history of the world. First Corinthians 15, 17 says this. It says, if Christ had not been raised, you would still be in your sins. But because Jesus Christ has been raised, you're a son, you're a daughter. Now let me show you a little bit more what I mean by this because Jesus was raised and then taken up to heaven. You've been made a son. You've been made a daughter but without that have happening wouldn't have happened. You wouldn't be a son. We wouldn't be here today sons and daughters of God. Prior to his crucifixion the night before Jesus was talking to his disciples. John chapter 16 verse 6 and and it says prior to um, the crucifixion um, he actually told his disciples he told them that he was going to die that he'd be killed that he'd be turned over to the Romans and he would be he would suffer and die they really didn't like hearing those words when he said that And on the night before he was crucified, he said this. He said, because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. But then next verse, it says, John chapter 16, verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. Again, John 16, 7. For if I do not go away, the helper, who's the helper? Someone shouted out. Holy the Holy Spirit will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. I will send him to you. If if Jesus Christ stays in the grave, if he's never raised from the dead and taken up to heaven, he's no capability to send the Holy Spirit to you in order to make you a son, in order to make you a daughter. Now, go with me to Galatians chapter four. That's where your Bibles are open to right now. Verses four through six, let's read them together. Galatians four, four through six. It says this, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons, as daughters. And because you are sons, verse 6, because you are daughters, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts crying out. Abba, Father. Because Jesus died and rose from the dead, was taken to heaven, the Father now sends the spirit of his son, the spirit of Jesus Christ, into you that makes you a son. It makes you a daughter. And you can cry out, Abba, Father, meaning, oh, my father, I love you. I need you. I want you. I'm so happy because of you. The, the kind of love that, that a, a daughter has for a father, a heavenly father, a healthy father, uh, so much more than a biological father, a perfect father, because Jesus rose from the dead. Okay. So if Jesus stays in the grave, you're dead in your sins. Because he rose from the dead, you're a son, you're a daughter. And so as we do, though, now at Calvary Chapel, let's go verse by verse through the verses we started with this morning. So chapter 3, verse 26. Let's, let's Let's start there at this point. Again, verse 26 says, For you are all sons, you are all daughters of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Now, notice from this verse how you became a a son of god a daughter of god it said is through faith in christ again verse 26 for you're you're all sons of god through faith in christ jesus that's how you become a son that's how you become a daughter so john chapter 1 verse 12 says this it says But as many as received Jesus, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. Now, if you have that pen, put you have the right. You get the right. We're going to talk more about that later. You actually have the right to call yourself a child of God, a son or daughter of God. Becoming a son of God, a daughter of God, it's not a process of doing good things over time, over weeks, over months, over years, that at some point you get good enough to be called a son or daughter of God. Nothing a human being can ever do good enough We'll make them a son or daughter of God. The Bible says in Isaiah 64, verse 6, all our righteous acts are like filthy rags, meaning the best thing we can ever do before God. God is so holy, it's the best thing we could ever do, no matter how many we do. They are like filthy rags. And the reason is, the Bible says, because of the sin we inherited from our forefathers, right back to Genesis chapter 3, Just weird motives get into even the best good work that we do. And God is so holy. It's like filthy rags before Him, the Bible says. Becoming a, 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 a son or daughter is all about grace, grace is a gift. Grace is something that's not earned or deserved. Grace is when you deserve a punishment and you get a reward. Ephesians chapter two, verse eight says, it is by grace you have been saved. Through faith, it is by grace. So becoming a son of God, a daughter of God, again, it's not something that happens um, over the course of time. It it, it happens uh, in a moment of time when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you realize he's real. You realize this isn't just some wacky preacher uh, spotting off his opinions in front of me. He He's talking about the word of God. God didn't create the world, spin it on its axis, then live leave everyone up to their best guess as to who he is. No, he would be cruel, not a loving God if he did that. He, he loved us by giving us a very specific way to get to know him and 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 that are two things number 1 he gave us his son number 2 he gave us his word and the word says it is by grace that you have been saved through faith when you say yes 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 i believe the bible says you become a son or daughter of god now that's grace it's scandalous People can take advantage of that message and go out and just say an easy prayer, a bunch of words, and think they're a Christian, and then go out and live like a dog or a cat or whatever. But, but when someone actually believes that Jesus Christ is the Lord of all, he is God, he is the Son of God, he died on the cross, he rose from the dead, and now he, the Bible says he's knocking at the door of your heart when you say, come in, I give up, come in. You're a son, you're a daughter, the Bible says. John 1.12 says this, But as many as received Jesus, to them he gave the right to become children of God, those who believe in his name. So again, back in verse 26, it says, For you are all sons of God, daughters of God, Through faith in Christ Jesus. Next verse. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. The Bible says that when you put your faith in Christ, Jesus Christ, you become joined together with him. The Bible calls it even a marriage you're becoming married to him. You're one with him. He's inside of you. You are his. Um, he is yours. You put him on. You wear his name. Look at this verse from Isaiah chapter 61, verse 10, which describes a person who has received Jesus Christ. It says, I will, re- I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. What did we just learn from, was it verse 27? Anyone who's been baptized into Christ has been put has put on Christ. He has clothed me with the garments of salvation. We, we put him on. He's inside of us. He's over us. He's all around us. He's surrounding us. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. You put your faith in Jesus Christ you become an Isaiah 61.10 person. That's who you become. You put on the robe of righteousness. You're adorned with jewels, it says, when you become a son or daughter of God. Next verse, verse 28, says, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Everyone in this room, and I love preaching to this room because it is a sea of color, and I like that. Don't let anyone convince you that God is colorblind. The Bible doesn't teach that. It says in the book of Revelation, every tribe and tongue were underneath him praising him. This is a picture. Of, what, uh, of heaven in this room. I love it. But the Bible says that every one of you in this room, no matter what race, no matter what gender, no matter what socioeconomic status, this says even slave or free. The Bible says that, the Bible says this. It says, without Jesus Christ, hear me up, without Jesus Christ, No matter what race, no matter what gender, no matter how rich or poor you are, slave or free, without Jesus Christ, you are equally, without hope, equally separated from God, equally under the wrath of God, equally under the judgment of God for all eternity, equally in need of salvation. However, with Christ... We just read anyone who is baptized into Christ. It's not really talking about a water baptism. That's talking about a joining with him by faith. Anyone with Christ, regardless of race, regardless of gender, regardless of rich or poor, prisoner free, we were praying this morning for the, the, the prisoners that, that we know through Eric's ministry, Pastor Eric's ministry. They're in prison right now. He was with them last week. We were praying for them. Whether they're them or us, with Christ, we're all equally, listen to me, joined to him, loved by him. Equally standing before him, that is, we're equally blameless and holy before God. Why? Because we're all sons, we're all daughters of God. God the Father sees you, he doesn't see you in all your sin anymore because you have Christ in you. He sees his son, Jesus. So chapter, um, verse 28 and Verse 29 says this, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Then verse 29 says, and if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to to the promise. An heir is someone who inherits something. So it refers there in verse 29 to a promise. It says, if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What promise? We studied that last week. If you weren't here, I recommend you listen to the uh, the, the study online, the promise is this, it's from Genesis, it's, it's from Genesis chapter three verses 28, uh, r- rather ver, um, chapter 12 verse three, it says, in your seed, this is God speaking to Abraham, all the families of the earth shall be blessed, in your seed, meaning Abraham's descendants, this is God speaking to Abraham, Abraham's essentially the first Jew, who God raised up the Jewish people to bring salvation and redemption to the uh, world. Jesus was a Jew, all 12 apostles were Jews. It says, in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Jesus was a direct descendant of, he was the seed, a direct descendant of Abraham, and then we become his seed, his descendants, when we become sons and daughters of God through faith. Okay. Chapter 4, verse 1, let us continue. Chapter 4, verse 1 says this, kind of a shift in a direction. That's why they created a, a chapter change here. He begins to, he kind of puts, he puts things on pause and he wants to now explain a little bit more about what he's talking about. He says, now I say that the heir, now remember an heir is someone who inherits something, in this case a son or a daughter. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all, but is under guardians, meaning people who take care of him, and stewards, people who tutor him and educate him, until the time appointed by the father. Even so we, when we were children, we were in bondage, we were in change The word is slavery, we were in slavery under the elements of the world. So he's using the image of slavery here. At the time Paul wrote this letter, in the Roman Empire, about 20 to 40% of people were slaves. And there was no specific race. It was just the Romans conquering the entire world and bringing back people and making them slaves to the point where 20 to 40% of the Roman Empire were slaves. So throughout the New Testament, you see references to slaves and what do you do if you're a slave? Actually, in 1 Corinthians 7, it says, get free, you're the Lord's freedman. But, 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 but it, it, get free if you can But if not, it it, it actually educates on what to do. And so um, here he uses this analogy, and it's all sort of a play on words here. What he's saying is a child of a master, of a slave owner, Growing up together with the master's son. They're all under the laws of the household in a sense. that They're all, all under the laws of the master. The child of the master can't go uh, around and, and do whatever ever he wants, just like the slave. He can't leave the house anytime he wants, just like the slave. He can't eat anything he wants. He can't go to bed anytime he wants. He can't get up anytime he wants, just like the slave. In that sense, the child is a slave. And what he's saying is here is everyone before Christ, before a relationship with Christ, before receiving Jesus Christ is a slave. They're in bondage. More on that later. So in that sense, the child is a slave. Verse three says, until the time appointed by the father. At some point, the father's going to free him from all restraints or the laws on being a child. And this is what happened with Jesus Christ coming to the Lord. At the, at the, at the, in the fullness of time, the Father sent His Son to free people from slavery. That's the point here, these verses. So, again, verse 3, let's read it together. Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness Of time had come. God sent forth his son, born of a woman, meaning he was fully God, he's fully man, born under the law. Jesus Christ was under the law and he obeyed every single bit of it to perfection. Verse 5 to redeem, think purchase, to purchase those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. As daughters. Notice here in verse 5 how Jesus takes you from being under the law to being free and a son. Again, verse 5 says, He redeemed those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons, the adoption as daughters. So that's why we read crazy verses like this which you read throughout Paul's letter, it says in Romans chapter six, Romans chapter six, verse 14, you're not under the law but under grace. Did you know that son of God? Did you know that daughter of God? That you're no longer under the law. You've been freed, you're under grace, the Bible says. And then it says in verse 6 And because you are sons, because you are daughters, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. Because Jesus resurrected from the dead and was taken up to heaven, God now sends the spirit of his son into you. By which it says you call out Abba Father. What is Abba Father? I've never heard of Abba. There's a rock band. They're, all in, they're still touring in their 70s, but, you know, which is amazing to me. But, but uh, 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 what, what does Abba mean? What do you mean Abba Father? What is that? It means daddy. Actually, it means so much more, and I want than even that. But the, the 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 connection is a child and his father. But I I want to. Uh, what is this Abba Father uh, about? Well, if you have those pens, you write this verse next to it, Mark chapter fourteen, verse thirty six. You don't have to go there right now, but I'm gonna. I I want I want to. I want to share this with you. Where does this word "Abba, Father" comes from? Well, in Mark chapter fourteen, it's the night before Jesus was crucified, and Jesus is in agony. So much so, he told his disciples, "My soul is at the point of death." He's in agony. The agony so intense, the capillaries in his blood vessels explode. The book of Luke says the drops of his sweat were like drops of blood. He falls on his face and he prays, and this is what he prays. Mark chapter 14, verse 36. He he cries out, actually, he's on his face, the book of Matthew says, and, and, and he cries out and says, Abba, Father, there's it, there's it, that's it. That's connect the dots. That's Galatians chapter four, verse six. Remember, it says, God the Father sent the spirit of his son into you. And now you can cry out, Abba, Father. This is, and here and, and here is Jesus in this agony. Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Then it says in verse 7 of Galatians 5, let's read that. Therefore, you're no longer a slave. You're no longer a slave. But you're a son. You're a daughter. And if a son, if a daughter, then an heir, meaning you inherit. You get an inheritance of God through Christ. Let me just read that again. Verse seven. Therefore, meaning because God has sent the spirit of son into your hearts, you're no longer a slave, but you're a son. You're a daughter. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Now, When it says you're no longer a slave, what it means right here, just think where we've already been. It means you're no longer like that child growing up with a slave where you're really a slave. You're you're no longer a slave to the law is what it means. Now, what does it mean to be a slave to the law? What does that mean? Well, the law says you're guilty, you're guilty, you're guilty. But the spirit of Christ, which is now in you, says you're a son, you're a son, you're a son. The law says you're slave to the law. When when, the law says you're guilty, you're guilty, you're guilty. The spirit says you're a son, you're a son, you're a daughter, you're a daughter. Um, The law says you're under a curse. That's where we were last week. You're under a curse. You're under a curse. You're under a curse. The Spirit of God says Christ became a curse for you. Christ became a curse for you. Christ became a curse for you. The law says, when we're enslaved to the law, it says because of your sin, hell owns you. Because of your sin, hell owns you. Because of your sin, hell owns you. But the Spirit of God says because of the cross, Jesus owns you. Because of the cross, Jesus owns you. We just read it. He purchased you on the cross. The Spirit of God says because of the cross, he owns you. The the law says you fall short and everybody around you is against you. They just look at you and they're against you. They, They don't approve of you. They don't admire you. They despise you. You fall short, everyone's against you. You fall short, everyone's against you. But the Spirit of God says, if God is for you, who can be against you? Romans 8, 31. If God is for you, who can be against you? The Spirit says, if God is for you, who can be against you? And so again, verse 7 says, therefore you're no longer a slave but a son. And that's how the Spirit talks to you once you're made a son as soon as the law starts crying out you can say literally go to hell law jesus has defeated the devil 1st john chapter 3 says for this purpose jesus christ came into the world to destroy the works of the devil go to hell devil and all your lies and, and so um, the devil will use the law against you. Do not this, do not this, do not this. Do this, do this, do this. But the Spirit of God frees you. Frees you. So I want to just close. I want to close uh, this morning with this verse once again, verse 6 has a verse, by the way, in Romans chapter 8, almost identical to this. Romans 8, I believe it's 14, 14 or 15. This is a verse that's good to type up, print, cut out, and put over your door in your house. Because you're a son, because you're a daughter, God has sent forth the spirit of his Son into your heart. Notice how it says it doesn't say into your minds. It's into your heart. What does the heart do? It It pumps blood to every bit of your body. I use the words heart. God sent the Spirit of His Son into your heart, so every bit of your body can be crying out, "Abba, Father." That's a privilege you have as a son or a daughter. It says, he sent forth the spirit of his son into your heart crying out, Abba, Father. Let me close with this. You know, when I meet a stranger, someone I've never met, and I am able to spend some time with them, Usually, I can know they're a Christian. I can know if they have the Spirit of God. And the Bible says, so can you. Now, you, get, you may say, what kind of weirdness is that? Is this like a cult or something? Well, what's, just he, hear me out here. I think you'll understand this. I know they're a Christian. That just it's a person I'm talking about that I... I've met for the first time. I'm able to talk with them. I'm not talking about someone I've known for a long time. How do I know? How do I know that they have the Spirit of God? Well, it's not because they're being kind to me. Because there's people in the world who are, who are kind. There's strangers who can be kind. But they're not, they don't have the Spirit of God. They're not Christians. It's not because they're happy. They could be having a happy day. Not because they seem humble. There are humble people in the world. It's not because they seem patient. It's not even because they know a lot about the Bible. It's not because they're pure. It's not even, listen to me, Calvary Chapel. It's not even because they're not sinning. Oftentimes, I'll meet someone who's in serious sin. I know they're a Christian. I know it. And how is that? Because when you bring up Jesus Christ, something changes on their appearance. The Bible says of a son and a daughter that the, spirit, the Father sent the spirit of his son into their hearts, and they cry out, Abba, Father. So what goes on? You start talking with them about Jesus Christ, and for example, someone who's in some deep sin, whatever it may be, Man, they become transformed and they just long for their father. They long for him. They, 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 so, they, something comes over them. Or uh, if they're not in a place where they're in a life which is disobedient to God, they, they just their countenance changes when you start talking about Jesus Christ. If you start talking about Jesus Christ and sort of the Bible calls it a veil is over them. The veil is what the women wear in the Middle East and around Boston as well. Where There's, there's like a veil. There's a darkness. You start talking about Jesus Christ and, and there's, there's kind of a darkness stays over them. And this includes people who may know a lot about the Bible. But man, I start talking about Jesus Christ and, and, and there's no change in their appearance. And if I said this once, I've said this a thousand times, the number one evidence of a child of God is that no matter what happens in their life, it's never the will of God for you to backslide or to retreat from God or to, to go plant yourself in a world and, 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 and just feast on the, uh, on, the, on the pleasures of the world apart from feasting of God. Uh, but, but a person who comes back to the Lord broken, broken, wanting him the biggest evidence of a child of god is they're hungry and thirsty for god they cry out oh god oh god abba father i need you or oh god abba father i love you and i'm so thankful for you God the Father sent the Spirit of his Son into your hearts, and then you, you, you cry out, Oh, Father, Abba, Father. Yes, speaking Daddy, but even more than that, just uh, uh, uniquely of the, the, the love a son or a daughter has for a perfectly loving and faithful Father. You know, one of the most outstanding and totally unique things about the Christian faith is that you can know that you know that you know that you know that you're a Christian, that you're a son or a daughter. You can know that. There's a fascinating um, Larry King, he's passed away, but he was a good, that guy was a good interviewer. He was Jewish, by the way, and he would interview people, and he got, uh, he he had an interview session one time, and it was um, like seven different religions. What happens after you die? And uh, everyone was all over the place except the man who was a Christian, and just with authority, he said, this is what happens after you die. You face judgment, and if you've received Jesus Christ, you are then face-to-face with him for all eternity. And it was very interesting to me because there was, there was um, others on the panel, particularly one, they were angry. Like, who are you? What kind of presumption Do you have that you can know right now that you're a son or a daughter? And I understand, I get it. Now the reason they're angry and upset is because their whole system of religion is based upon good works and trying to be good enough for God and how do I know that in the final phase I'm gonna be good enough? You can't know, but you can know the Bible says, because it says in Romans 10, verse 9, if a man or woman confesses with their mouth that Jesus Christ is their Lord and believes in their heart that God raised Him from the dead, they're saved. And you can know. And you can know, among other reasons, because the Spirit of God then comes into you. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 8 that the Spirit witnesses with our spirit that we are children of God. Calvary Chapel What's so great about Easter, about Resurrection Sunday? Because it happened, because it happened, because Jesus rose from the dead, you are now through faith, a son of God. You are a daughter of God. So we're gonna have communion at this time, if the worship team can come up at this time. And if you've been asked to pray, if you can come up as well, Underneath your seats is this, and it's both the bread and the grape juice. So if you can just get it ready. Now, I would not be doing my job. I'm so thankful because... When I was about 16 or 17-year-old, for the first time in my entire life, there was a man speaking in a pulpit in in the church that we happened to visit who actually told me the truth. (laughs) Never heard the truth before. The truth I'd grown up with my whole life, including churches west of the city here, was that everybody is a child of God. The Bible says that is not the case. The Bible says that we are born into the world dead in our relationship with God and actually, believe it or not, enemies of God, but that God so loved the world, he sent his only son that if you believe in him, you become a son, you become a daughter. Maybe you've never done that in your life. Maybe you have never put your faith in Jesus Christ. Where did we start with today? We started with Galatians chapter three, verse 27, which says, uh, rather, uh, verse 26, which says, you're all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Maybe you've never put your faith, your trust, your eternal destiny, your whole life, You've never given it to Jesus. You've never said, Jesus, come in and take over. If that's the case, while the worship team is playing, come up. It happens in a moment of time where someone puts their faith in Christ and the Bible says, Jesus then invades your life through the Holy Spirit and he takes possession of your life. If you've never done that, come on, come up, talk with me. But if there's any other thing that you would like to pray about before communion, the Bible does say before a man or woman has communion, let them examine themselves. Because what you don't want to do, Jesus died not only to pay the penalty for your sin, but to give you power over sin and to continue in a lifestyle of sin. The Bible says that you're trampling on the cross and what Jesus did for you and you don't want to take communion unless you let go of that thing. This is a time of an examining yourself prior to communion. If you'd like prayer to overcome something in your life that is Trampling on the cross and I, 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 I often say this it could be anxiety and fear that just doesn't go away the Bible says God did not give you a spirit of fear but love power and a sound mind the cross purchased that for you if you'd like prayer for that or maybe it's something much much more serious than that I've shared with you guys before some of the serious stuff from my past, It's all covered in the blood. But if you want to come up and just, you don't have to be specific, just pray. Again, examine yourself before communion. Why don't you stand up? We're going to sing. And then we'll have communion. Father, I just pray in the name of Jesus that you would have your way among us, Lord. As we prepare for communion, in Jesus' name, amen. So it's kind of interesting on an Easter Sunday celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we're celebrating also his death. It's because of his death that we're able to participate in the power of his resurrection. In Luke 22, Jesus was at the Last Supper the night before he was crucified. And he was sitting with the 12 apostles. And it says in verse 15, it's with fervent desire that I desire to have this meal with you. That was the first communion. We're just doing today what he did that night. The amazing thing to me, I say this all the time, is that Judas was sitting at the table... I tell you, if if someone was Judas to me and they were sitting at a table, I wouldn't be thinking about anything other than that Judas. But he's able to basically not let anything get in the way with what he calls his great desire, his great love to have fellowship with them. That is how much God loves you. That's how much he loves you. Christianity is not a religion It's a relationship with you. <laughs> so much so that if his, Judah, his Judas is sitting right next to him, he doesn't care. He just wants to love you and have a relationship with you. That's what happened at the first communion. And it says that he took the cup and gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among yourself. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God But then he says he took the bread and he gave thanks, he broke it, he gave it to them and saying, this is my body which is given for you, do this in remembrance of me. So let's have the bread together. Verse 20 of Luke chapter 22 says, likewise he also took the cup after supper. Saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. The new covenant, the old covenant and the new covenant were always about grace. But in the new covenant, it's the Holy Spirit. It's the spirit of Christ that is in us. That makes the new covenant so much better than the old one. He says, it's the new covenant in my blood. Which I am going to shed for you. So let's uh, drink. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you. We thank you that salvation has come into this house today. (laughs) Praise you, Lord, for that. And I also thank you, Lord, just for the ongoing work that you do in our house. And our lives of opening up our eyes, opening up our hearts, opening up our minds to you. That this, in this world, before your return or before we die, can continue to be about going from glory to glory. The Bible says the righteous man may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers them from them all. You're with us in them. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for being with us today. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, if you don't have...